uh, I want to bring to you something that is uh, that is near and dear to my heart. And if you have your Bibles, I don't know your protocol this morning. Uh, you don't. I don't believe that. Do you stand for the reading for the Sunday school? If you do, then stand to your feet, and we will move into that. Uh, we want to thank. If I don't get the chance. Many times in the regular services, I get a little carried away, get a little excited, and I forget to thank everybody. But I want to thank Brother and Sister Grant for allowing us to be here as well, for extending the invitation. And uh, for Peace Tabernacle, thank you all so very much. And we're looking forward to an awesome day today. I do believe that the Lord has spoken, and we are going to receive and to be a part of the move of God today. Amen. And so Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And I will take the next 30, 35 minutes, uh, hopefully. Uh, maybe squeeze a few more minutes out there at the end. They told me that you all stop at 1045. And so we will try to, we'll try to, uh, we'll try to shave a couple minutes off of that, if you don't mind. But there's something that, the Lord began to speak to me uh, that I have been this last year trying to live out, and I have realized that there are parts of this that it's a process uh, within our hearts. There's a very important part. Uh, there's a very important. There's a great importance around the heart. Everything that we know about God is centered around our hearts. Uh, he would say it's not so much about what your hands do, but it's about what your heart does. He could say, he would say that your lips would speak praise to me, but what? Your heart is far from me. And so we know that there is an essentiality and an importance within how our heart reacts to God. Amen? So I want to bring to you from this thought process uh, but I want to say this before we start, but I'm going to be teaching on the topic of purity. Don't get nervous. Every time somebody starts talking about things of this nature, start getting nervous, but don't get nervous. I've learned that purity can be a very welcomed and a very awesome thing to have a part of our Christian walk. Amen. Purity, there's things that purity does that nothing else can touch. Uh, and that purity alone begins to prepare us for what God has for us. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 reads, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. I want you to take notice right here before we're seated. I've got, I, I have a few short verses to read. But that he says, in order to go in, we have to prepare ourselves. There is a process to go through 
before we see what God has prepared for us. Joshua 3, 1 through 5, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And verse number 5 is the important verse in this. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So notice what he says. He says, Joshua, I want you to prepare everybody to go forward. And in the process of preparation, I want you to not only get all your stuff ready to move, but I want to get your hearts sanctified. Remove from you anything that would be dangerous. Remove from you anything that would be impure. And get ready. Why? Because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. So in order to see the wonder, we have to prepare ourselves to go into it. Amen? I want you to just close your eyes this morning. Let us go before the Lord. Lord, let your anointing and let your illumination, let it blossom before us and let there be a seed that is planted in each and every heart. Enlighten us, God, and bring us to a place of understanding. Give us boldness in your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and everybody shout amen. You can be seated. One of the things that I want to pull out to you today is the simplicity of our approach to God or of our relationship to God. Uh, God does not care what and or who we are and what we are. We have seen that evidenced so many times by God choosing ones among us or choosing people that we might not think fit a certain profile. Uh, I am continually amazed at how God will choose somebody, and I will think, well, they'll never do anything for God, and they become one of the greatest preachers that has ever been. And so we know that God does not go off of pedigree or past, but that God simply goes off of the condition of our hearts to Him. If a heart is open and available, then God will respond and anoint that heart no matter where that heart is at. And so it is important, as Proverbs says, that we guard our hearts and that we keep our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts are the issues of life. I want to read to you an excerpt in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. And if he has it, he can put it up on the, up on the screen. But there is a comparison that I want to show to you this morning that we are no different 
than the men and women of old. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, the writer is writing to the church, and he is saying, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always error in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. Take heed, brethren. So notice what he says here. In the Scripture, he starts off in verse 7, in verse 8, and says, don't harden your hearts, uh, uh, don't prove me. And then he, sta- he, he begins to state it in verse number 12. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So he specifies right here, and he says, what they had in them in the day of temptation in the wilderness, make sure that you don't have that same type of heart today that they had then. Now, whenever you see something written in the Scripture, you would begin to, uh, uh, it it is automatically connotated or understood that you're not, I, I don't get on to my kids for something that they have not done. Maybe some of you all like to do that just for fun every once in a while. But normally we don't do that, right? We're not going to correct something that is in no need of correction. But the writer of Hebrews obviously sees something within the present day church that disturbs him enough that he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and he says, listen, I see something coming up in your hearts that is identified out of their hearts back then. And so he begins to say, take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So Hebrews chapter 3, what is interesting about this is Hebrews chapter 3 is quoting from Psalm 95. In Psalm 95, the psalmist is writing and is quoting or is rather speaking what the writer in Hebrews is quoting in Hebrews chapter 3. And so the Psalm 95 is the psalmist of their day warning the people that lived hundreds of years after the original transgressors and doubters. I want you to see what is going on here. First, you have the original transgression in, uh, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. 
But then in Psalm 95, you see the psalmist reiterating the same thing to the people of his day and quoting it again and yet reminding them again. And then you see in the present-day church in Hebrews, the writer preaching to his people and to the church of that day to, to watch out and make sure that there is not anything that would get into the heart that would cause them to not be able to go into what God has in store for them. I find that very, very odd, if you will, or very uh, surprising that year after year of them going through it, that we find the same issue and the same problem. It does not matter, and what blew my mind is this. One thing to understand about all of these warnings is that we are not the evolved, elite, transcended beings that are above the issues of the Bible. I would like to think that because I have the Holy Ghost that I am exempt from certain things affecting my life. But just because I have the Holy Ghost does not mean that my heart cannot get things in it that is contrary to where God wants to take me. Amen? It does not mean that. I thought that at one time, that because I have the Holy Ghost, I don't have to worry about cleaning myself up anymore. Is there anybody here that knows that and that can testify you've lived long enough and you know that if you let yourself go, that you're going to be dirty even with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Some of you elders are shaking your head. I, I, I thought that I was better than everybody else, right? Then I realized I'm the dirty dog just like everybody else is. And if I don't watch out for things, then if there's things that's going to get into my spirit that is going to stop me from going to the place that God wants me to go. So if you read in this, he says they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's later on in Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. He says, what got into their hearts exempted them or disqualified them from going in. And so he makes a warning and says, make sure that what got into them doesn't get into you. Make sure that your heart is clean and that your heart is pure and undefiled because if you got a heart full of faith, that heart full of faith is going to usher you and push you into the promise that God has set aside for you. Amen? Somebody shout amen. And so when you begin to see this, Everything has changed since then. We are much more technologically and economically advanced. We might wear different shoes. We might wear different clothes. Our transportation might be more advanced. Our roads, our houses, our networks might have evolved and advanced. But what is interesting is the one thing that has not evolved is people. We're not living any longer. We're still dying. 
We're still getting sick. And so when you look at that, everything around us might be better than what they had back then. But the part that matters with God has never changed. The same heart, the same spirit, the same flesh that you and I have within us today is the same thing that they had in them wandering around in the wilderness. Amen? So when you look at that, you begin to say, okay, I've got to make sure that where I'm at today that I don't allow something to get into me that is going to derail me off of God's plan. I've got to keep my heart with all diligence. I've got to make sure that I am uh, that I am diligent about making sure that my heart and the inside of me is clean. Amen. Psalm chapter 24 says this. It says uh, uh, it says who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The psalmist understood and knew, if I'm going to get everything that God wants me to get, I can't do it with dirty hands and a dirty heart. But I've got to cleanse my heart. I've got to make sure I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm sorry. I know that I'm teaching right now. I feel like I'm preaching right now, though. Y'all might get a double whammy. You might get a double header this morning. I don't know. But it feels in my spirit that I've got to make sure that no matter what goes on, that I keep myself clean. Now, it's not my wife's job to keep my heart clean. Amen? I figured I'd get a bigger amen from you, babe. She, I, thought, I figured you'd draw a line at the laundry or something, you know? I figured you'd get a bigger, I'd get a bigger amen than that. Yours, well, sh- thank you, Sister Grant. I appreciate that. She's just not listening this morning. That's all right. We'll work on her. She, she loves it when I mess with her like that. You see that big old smile? She loves it. But it's not her job to keep my heart clean. It's not your pastor's job to keep your heart clean. It's not your mom and dad's job to keep your heart clean. It's your job to keep your heart clean. It's your job and my job. Nobody else can get down on my knees for me and make sure that I am cleansing out everything in me that shouldn't be there. Nobody else can do it. It's my responsibility to do that. In fact, I believe in it's, in, it's in Ezekiel where the Lord said, I, I am upset with you because you have set keepers of the sanctuary, keepers of the charge. Now, what does this mean, folks? The keepers of the charge or the keepers of the sanctuary? The Levitical priesthood was supposed to clean out the tabernacle, Right? They make a sacrifice. They make uh, 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 they the, they kill up on the altar, upon the bronze altar. They're supposed to clean everything up, 
remove the ashes out from underneath of the altar and take it apart to its own place, to a sanctified place, to a clean place, right? They're supposed to go through and change the incense and make sure that the oil is refilled inside the holy place, right? They're supposed to do all of those things. But what happened is, is they got lazy. Now, I'm guilty of being lazy every once in a while. Anybody got a lazy bone in them just a little bit? Saturday mornings? Just Saturday mornings? Some of y'all lying right now? Okay? So what they did is basically what they were doing, and I'm going to bring it home like what we would say here, is I'll preach and y'all pray. I'll preach and y'all fast. I'll do what I want to do, but the actual work that goes into it, I'm not going to do that. You're going to do that. And so the keepers of the charge or the keepers of the sanctuary, the Levitical priesthood, designated people that were not a part of the priesthood to come in and change their old ashes out and to change the oil. And God said, Hold on just a second. That's not their job to do that. It's not their job to keep my tabernacle in a working order. It's your job to do that. Folks, we cannot allow anybody else or somebody else to carry the burden that is ours and ours alone. I've got to clean my own heart out. I've got to fall on my own face in repentance and tears and say, God, I'm not right right now. God, I've messed up. God, I've got wrong thoughts in my mind, and I recognize them. God, I've got pride in my heart, and I know it's wrong. I know my help comes from you. I know that you are everything unto my life. I know that, God. I'm the only one that can do that. doesn't matter if you do it for me. There's no benefit. Amen? I'm the one that's got to clean my own life out. Now, I felt this in prayer the other day because Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is dealing with allowing things in that shouldn't be there or giving up in a certain place. Wherefore, we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end, okay? He says, cast not aside therefore thy confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, that you should receive the promise, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry, now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So Hebrews is about pressing forward. Hebrews is about not allowing something to get in or another idea to get you off of the path. Amen? And so Hebrews also says, follow peace with all men and what? And holiness without which no man shall see God. And Holiness, sanctification, purity, all of those parts have place within God. 
And so he says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Okay? Make sure that there is a purity within you. Amen? Now, what I felt the other day is this. I was thinking about it. I saw an old car engine. Now, I've been trying to do as best as I can this whole year, Sister Vern. I've been, I've been doing better than I've ever done before, okay? I'm telling you. I'm te- you don't know. She knows. Look at her. She's happy. I've been doing good, okay? I hadn't done anything bad for the most part, okay? And I've been, I've been pressing forward, okay? And I realized, now I didn't mean to think bad thoughts. I'd even been praying about those things. But what I realized is this. And the scripture or the place to explain it would be where the Lord says, for he is a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap, right? Y'all remember that place? He is a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Well, the refiner, the refiner's fire deals with impurities located in the midst of the metal. Things that are just there. They didn't ask for it. The metal didn't ask to have impurities, but it's just the way that it was. It was in there. It was a part of who it was. So the refiner's fire deals with getting out of that metal the impurities that would affect the integrity of the metal. You can't use a dirty metal for anything structural. It'll crumble and break. Is there any iron workers in here? Any, any welders? You can't have dirty welds because it, the integrity is not there. And so he said, I'm going to be a refiner's fire, and I'm going to get out from you anything that is in you that is contrary to the integrity that I want you to walk in. Okay? Now, the second part is what blew me away because I can understand things from the outside. But there's something about the fuller's soap and the office or the job of a fuller. Now, when you go to wash clothes, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to grade you on your answer. When you wash clothes, why do you wash clothes? Huh? Because they're dirty. Why are they dirty? Huh? What's the biggest reason that you're going to throw, ladies, that you're going to throw those pants in the, in the washer? Dirty, sweating, come on. They stink. What else? Got stains? Got some mud on them? So here's the beauty of it is what I'm hearing. Clothes get dirty not only from what touches them on the outside, but what touches them from the inside. And so the fuller soap does not just remove the mud that gets attached to the outside that you touch, that you go by, right? 
But the fuller's soap also removes the natural oils. Somebody said it, the sweat and the stink. That you don't, if you were to wear the same garment and not get any mud on it, you just walk along, you don't bump up against anything dirty. Will that garment get dirty by just living in it? Why? Because your body will begin to exude things, oils. It will begin to put out filth from it. Amen? And the Lord began to speak this to me and say this, Brother Carney, it does not matter how good of a condition that you keep your heart in. Your heart is always going to start creating things that are contrary to your position and your direction that I want you to go in me. Your heart will always begin to create things within it that will contaminate the integrity of what I want you to be. Doesn't matter. Folks, hear me. Doesn't matter if you block out everything in the world. Doesn't matter. Your heart, with no exterior forces affecting and influencing your mind or your heart that would be evil or wrong, it doesn't matter. No outside forces. Your inside, your heart, will manufacture doubts and fears and unbeliefs all on its own without anybody's help around you, without any external forces going into you. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, Take heed, brethren, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up thereby trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Where did that come from? It didn't come from the outside. It came from the inside. Folks, that's why the writer said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the Lord. Make sure that you don't just let yourself go off track. Anybody ever done that before? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Anybody ever done that before? Raise your hand if you've done that before. I just let myself go on track. And where'd you find yourself at? In sorrow and torment. Why? Because your heart began to manufacture things that you didn't even know that you had the capability of performing. You begin to think things that were outside of your common thought process. Why? Because my heart is wicked. Exceedingly wicked. My heart is wants to do the wrong thing. That's why we have, before Joshua could move into the promise, that's the reason why he told them. He said, I want you all to get ready to move from where you are to where we're getting ready to go that God has told us we could have for years. For over 40 years, we're getting ready to go into that place. We're getting ready to move into that area. 
Amen. And then he says, before we go in, we got to sanctify ourselves. Because as we've been going through this wilderness journey, we picked up some things. We might have picked up some hatred along the way. We might have picked up some bitterness. We might have picked up some resentment and some doubt. And folks, we can't see the wonder that God's going to perform tomorrow if we don't have a heart that is pure today. If we've got things on the inside of us that are stopping us, we will never see the wonder that God has ready for us. So he says, all right, folks. We're getting ready to see something that we've never seen. And how are we going to see something that we've never seen? Because we are purifying ourselves. We are sanctifying ourselves. We are cleansing ourselves all over again and setting our hearts aside for only God. That's what's going on. See, there's a place that purity will get you that prayer can't get you. I, I know what time it is. It's 10, 10.39 right now. I told you I was going to give you all an extra minute or two. Amen? That's, that's how I get favoritism. I don't have to be the best preacher. I just got to be the shortest preacher. Amen? Oh, I got an amen out of her then. You see that? Talk about short again. Okay? Purity will get you to places that fasting can't get you to. Doth the Lord desire as much burnt offerings and sacrifices as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? So what many times we have done is we've tried to go into our tomorrows still living in things that are wrong. And because of the grace of God, we say, well, God, I'll just pray a little bit about this, but I don't want to change who I am right now. And the Lord said, listen, I, do, I don't want burnt offerings and sacrifices. I just want you to obey my voice. And so many times we try to go into that tomorrow without changing who we are today. That's not the will of God. God wants us to purify ourselves and who we are today. And when we purify ourselves, it opens up things before us. You know what? And I'm just going to say this right here. There might be things that as you get them out of your head, that doors begin to open for you that you never even had to pray one hour, one second for. Why? Because purity pushes you into a place. There are things that the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, you know what? You're to a certain point. You're as far as you can go with what you've been doing right now. You're as far as you can go. Well, God, how do I need to take that next step? God, I don't want to just stay where I'm at. God, I want more than where I'm at right now. I want to see things I've never seen before. God, how do I do that? And the beginning of this year, he said, purity. 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 Stop thinking doubtful thoughts. Stop allowing bitterness and resentment to get into your spirit. Stop allowing doubt to run your heart and to run your mind. 
Stop allowing the world to overly influence who you are. Stop loving the things of the world. Amen? That's what the Lord began to speak to me. It was a hard conversation. I bucked him a little bit, folks. I'm just going to be honest. Act like y'all don't want to buck him sometimes. I was like, no, God, I'm good. I'm good. You know what? I I, want to still do those things. But in order to see the wonder, there has to be a sanctification. And we skip over these parts. We say we're going to go into our promise. What got them into the promise? They prepared them victories. They prepared to move. They sanctified themselves. They cleansed out from who they were. Any thoughts that might have manifested or built up in the 40 years in the wilderness, they get across Jordan, and what happens next? Circumcise themselves. There's an identity that begins to take shape. There's a falling under the commandment of God, and then they walk into their promise. And I have been guilty of it. You see the smile on my face? I have been guilty of wanting to skip over the sanctification and the painful parts and just want to go in. And God says, can't go in without a little bit of pain. Can't go in without some cleansing and some clearing. The beauty of this is, is the moment that you begin to ask God to cleanse you, He is faithful to do it. If you confess your sins unto God, what does the scripture say? He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. That means that right now, anything in my heart that's wrong, stand to your feet. Anything in my heart that's wrong, all I got to do is just give in to him one more time. All I've got to do is just say, here I am, God. I've got some stuff that needs to be cleansed out. I've held on to some things that I don't need to hold on to. Can we just close our eyes for the last minute? Just raise your hands. And all over this place, I have to do it every morning. But I want you to just lift up your voice and I want you to say, cleanse me, O God. Cleanse me, O God. David would say, Cleanse me with hyssop. God, apply your blood to my life. Lord, don't let there be any evil heart in me. Almighty God, wash me and cleanse me. Wash me and cleanse me. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? David would say, cleanse thou me from secret faults. God, move into me and search every area of my life and of my heart for the things that I've hidden away from secret faults, God. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Then shall I be upright and shall be innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer, cleanse me, cleanse me. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise this morning?
Can we give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Y'all are dismissed. Forgive me. I tried to do one minute earlier. I'm one minute late. The devil is a liar.